What's going on, everybody? We got Chris Salem this week on the Purpose Infused Brotherhood podcast. We're talking about lessons learned from failure. Failure is a huge thing. That fear of failure can get in there and just eat at you. We don't want that. Chris is an accomplished CEO, business owner, executive coach, world-class speaker, award-winning author, certified expert, radio show host, and he is going to lay it on you about lessons that he has learned from failure right here, right now. Gentlemen. Welcome to the Purpose Infused Brotherhood, the podcast where men come to build, battle, and bond together and be the best versions of themselves. If you're a man who's ever felt out of alignment with his purpose, then you're in the right place to reignite the fire and infuse male purpose into your life every single day. And now your hosts, John Doe and Clay Smeltzer. Welcome, everybody. I'm super excited to have Chris Salem on here today. We're going to be talking about lessons learned from failure. Uh, Failure can be debilitating to people, that fear of failure. And having that fear of failure, man, can just uh, grab in there and take its take its hold on you, but we don't want that to happen. So today we're going to talk to Chris about 30, 45 minutes here, and we're going to talk about lessons learned from failure. At the end, he's going to give you the top three ways that you can actually use failure to your benefit. And uh, Chris, just to get to know Chris a little bit, Chris Salem is an accomplished CEO, business executive coach, world-class speaker, corporate trainer, advisor, award-winning author, certified mindset expert, and radio Uh, show host and media personality, mentoring business leaders and organizations to scale their brands and business by raising their level of influence and trusted advisors. In addition, he mentors business leaders and organizations towards solutions on enhancing corporate culture, improving workplace communications, increasing sales, increasing employee engagement, and maximizing production. His book, Master Your Inner Critic, Resolve That Root Cause, Create Prosperity, when international bestseller in 2016. He also co-authored the recent edition of Mastering the Art of Success with Jack Canfield. His weekly radio show, Sustainable Success, is part of the Voice America Influencers Channel and Business Influencers with Tao Radio, part of the Touch a Life Foundation. Chris, welcome to the show. How are you? Clay, thank you so much for having me. A pleasure to be here. Oh, it's great to have you here. We always start off our brotherhood sessions with a win for the week. So we always ask our podcast guests uh, to come on. What's a, From last week, last Sunday to this Sunday, what was a great win for you this week? Well, a great win for me this this past week was to receiving some feedback. <clears throat> two things. Feedback that I had received from a, a recent workshop that I did in New York City and Chicago with sales management. Got uh, some really good feedback in terms of of not only value that they receive, but they're actually going to be applying the things that we talked about, which was fantastic. You know, it's great if they got great value, but if they don't apply it, it doesn't mean anything. So the fact that I heard that was a huge win. And I say the other win is that my wife recently, about three weeks ago, had, uh, had, had strained her back. We found out it's a herniated disc. But the good news with the win here is that it will require outpatient surgery nice. that should be able to correct it. So hopefully she'll be back on her feet again here in the next few weeks. So to me, that's a win that it could have been oh, a lot absolutely. worse than, absolutely. It, than it was. Absolutely. Yeah. My, our uh, uncle out in Colorado had that and had to have the in-depth surgery on it and stuff. So definitely that's a great, great win for your wife and your family in there too. And also a great win. Cause I think one of the things too is, I always say, you know, not they, they always say knowledge is power. And as being also a, a teacher for 20 plus years and a coach, um, when we look at that, you know, now po- knowledge is power. I, I'm like, dude, that's false. And I'm like, they're just t- selling you some BS there. But here's what it is. The use of knowledge is power. You know, if you know a lot of things, that's awesome. But if you don't use those things to me, I'm like, you wasted a bunch of time and your time and, and energy into something that you never use. So what is usable and what is valuable? What are your thoughts on that? Well, I agree. I mean, knowledge is great, but if it's not applied, that's all it is, is knowledge. You know, it, you know, and it's the same thing with education. I mean, education is great. You can memorize something and pass a test, but if you don't apply what's learned, then nothing moves forward. Yeah. So it's really in the action and learning, I guess, what we're going to talk about here today 
is how do we take that knowledge and apply it? Does it mean it's always going to work the first time around? Not necessarily. It's part of a process. So, but at taking action to the knowledge and then measuring what works, what doesn't work is critical to move anything worthwhile forward. 100%. I totally agree with that. And and I'm glad that you said that win for the week and, and getting those value and applying that value to your workshops, because that really goes into our topic this week is failure. Um, you wrote a on your blog on your website, you have a blog post, um, the four, I think it's the four lessons of failure. Yeah, the four lessons you learn from failure. Uh, you know, failure gives true meaning to success. Only you keep track of the failures. Failure is signal that leads to change. I'm like, yes, boom, right there with that one. Uh, and failure, uh, failure is only per, uh, permanent when you quit. And I love those last two ones. I love. But when we look at this, let let's go back to kind of like as you grow up. So I want a little. I want to share a little bit of your past and growing up as Chris. Um, you know, what was your thoughts growing up? Where did you grow up first? Uh, kind of how did you grow up and what were your thoughts on failure as you grew up? Because I know your thoughts now are a lot different than it was when we were little. So oh, yeah. I kind of want to go through this journey of how, because probably like you, a lot of our listeners followed the same failure path of what failure was like, yeah. what we thought about it. So just kind of give us that beginning journey for what what did Chris, grow, how did Chris grow up and what what was his thoughts on failure? Yes. Great question, Clay. So, I mean, I grew up in, you know, what I can now look back on is a highly codependent uh, environment that I grew up in. Not that my parents did the best they could with what they knew. I mean, I had a mother that was my rock. My mother was there for everything that I did, whether if she was in the mother role, even assuming the father role, mm-hmm. because my father was usually never around or emotionally checked out when he was. But what I meant by codependent, meaning that when I was growing up, because I was always seeking the attention of my father, especially Mm -hmm. after a baseball game, a football game, and then you're hoping that your dad was in the crowd, you know, rooting you on only to know that he wasn't there. I always had this, this like compelling, like feeling inside that I had to get, you know, seek his attention. And when I didn't get it, I would seek it out in other people. I didn't realize it at the time. So I developed a codependent uh, a way of communicating and behavior, what they call passive communication and behavior. I went out of my way to please and enable people for the sake, for the sake of seeking your validation. Oh. I, I also had a mother, that wonderful mother, but she was a perfectionist. And what that meant mean that anytime if I didn't do something right, she would fix it for me. She would assume responsibility to take control to make sure it was done right. Now, with that being said, I had everything done for me. Mm -hmm. So as a perfectionist, I became codependent or dependent upon her to fix things. And as I grew up, I became a perfectionist myself, meaning that no one else could do it better than me. So delegating things was a hard thing to do. And if you're going to be a leader and be successful in business and you can't delegate, not going to get ahead that way, or at least you're not going to get to the next level. So I would say that growing up in that environment and growing up very angry, growing up always, you know, not being sure of myself and who I was, I I just grew up codependent. And, and th- these things led me to believe that vulnerability and transparency were a weakness rather than a strength. I viewed that if you couldn't do it right the first time, you don't do it at all, or mm. you wait till everything is aligned correctly in order to execute. So it always had to be the perfect time, the perfect moment, the perfect situation, to have the perfect team to make things work. Because yeah. all of that to avoid what we call failure. So yeah. failure to me was when things didn't work out, you failed. That was the way I looked at failure from a codependent perspective growing up. Man, that was uh, that was great because there's so many people uh, that 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 feel that way. As a teacher, man, I know, I know so many students who have gone through that same piece. Um, and, you know, you talked about a couple of different things, you know, being angry, not sure, codependent left, left you with this feeling of saying, hey, man, going back to the two greatest questions every man has, am I good enough? And do I have what it takes? And to me, 
and let me know if I'm wrong, but to me, what you were telling me is it was a no and a no most of, most of your childhood growing up because of the situations and the experiences that you had. Yeah. Would that be would that be true? True. Yeah, I avoided certain situations not to expose my limitations, not to expose my weaknesses, because I had I led from ego just to display mm. what I thought were my strengths. But that is no way to move your life or business forward, hiding in the shadows, yeah. which I was doing. Did you wear any certain masks at all? Like I, I oh. when I for me, I wore the Joker's mask and a tough guy's mask. That's that's the two I wore. Well, I wore both those masks, Clay, and many others. So, because <laughs> again, I didn't really know who I was. Yeah. So I would put the mask on that best suited the situation mm-hmm. for that environment to fit in, or just to be a chameleon to adapt to what was going on in that situation. Yeah. So, again, operating with no foundation whatsoever what would you say because a lot of people say you know versatile or the chameleon's a good thing so you can adapt to every situation what would you say to that well i would say it depends yes it depends on and how you look at it when i meant what i meant there was that i didn't know who i was i mean adapting to people's personalities and how to build rapport with them and connect with them where they're at absolutely that would Mm -hmm. be the positive beneficial side but what i mean is conforming to something that really isn't you yeah. not knowing that that's a different story. Yeah. So it, that's what I really meant by that. So yeah. yes, it, it, you know, in terms of the chameleon effect, it could have a, both a positive and negative yeah. impact on how you approach it to any given situation. And that's why I wanted to ask that question. Cause a lot of people are like, well, I, I, I can fit in anywhere. Okay. Is that good though? You know, just like, you know, as a baseball player myself, you know, go, growing up, like, uh, it's great to be versatile. But then when you go to look to the next level, they don't want you to be versatile. They want you to like, hey, what are you playing? Like, what position, what position you do you play? Yeah. So <laughs> as you get older and you get better at what you're good at, it's really narrowing down your niche, narrowing down your focus. And, and as, the more that you narrow down your focus, the more you become extremely aware and are able to take extreme personal responsibility in those one to two, three areas. You know, the greatest of the greatest, you know, baseball players, they were good at one, two, or three things. That was it. That's all they were good at. And they just did it over and over and over again. So I think, and that's where I want to ask, because a lot of people are like, well, I'm the chameleon. I can fit in anywhere. To me, one of the things is too, and this is what I love about our conversations during the brotherhood, is that one of the guys, you know, um, that joined, he's like, you know, I was I was part of others men's groups where I felt like I had to fit in. Whereas when I came to the brotherhood, I just felt like I belonged. And I think those are the spaces that we really want to find. Not a place that you have to be somebody different for the this group or this. Because for me in my experience, just like you, like you said, I my two major masks were the Joker's mask and the uh, tough guy mask. But I was literally everything to everybody else. But that left me with being nothing for myself. And I think that's one of the things that we do as men. You know, we're providers, especially the working family man. You know, you have a career, you have a a spouse, you have kids, you have baseball practices you got to take your kids to. You got the lawn mowing to do. You got all of these different things on your plate. And we try to be somebody different for all of those people. And for me, this always comes back to purpose. Like you, you said a couple of times, right? I didn't know who I was. And to me, and what we teach in the brotherhood is that purpose is who you are and who you are then goes into every single thing that you do. And if you're changing who you are in different places, then who are you really? And that's where it's like solidifying. So could you, could you kind of give your thoughts on that? Like about purpose, what are your thoughts around purpose, things like that? And how does that, how is that included into what you do instead of, Hey, my purpose is what I do, and it, it, my purpose is who I am, and here's how it's included in what I do. Yeah, no, great question. And purpose to me starts with the foundation. It has to be why you do what you do to make sure what you do is executed. Yes, because like, just like you said, like with the you know the, you know your group, the you know with the purpose infused brotherhood, it's not about that. You have to be somebody different. You can be who you are. It's how you as men come together on shared values. Yep. That's what's great about uh, a you know a group like that. Not that you're having to conform to be something that you're mm-hmm. not. And I always find that when you really find your your why or to, or create your why, choose your why. 
what once you know that why and that why is based upon you you know who you choose to be what are the values that define who you really are what are your strengths what are your weaknesses so it's the ability to be transparent and vulnerable and it's okay that you're not going to be good at everything because you're not and you're going to be good really good at things and why are maybe that you're focusing more on the things that you're not because you're trying to pretend to be somebody else or you feel like you would only measure up if you or only to be like that other person. It's about not comparing yourself to other people, but you know, looking at yourself of who you are, why you do what you do, choosing that, and then base your purpose on that now to choose what you do with it yeah. to create, mat- not only to build yourself up, but to be that example mm-hmm. and be that resource for others to do that through your communication to yourself and others, your behavior, your attitude, your emotions that are that how you respond versus react to challenges yeah. and the action that you take. We don't realize that our purpose is not only powerful for you each yes. and every day, but it impacts your children, mm-hmm. it impacts your wife, it will impact your friends, your colleagues, people that work for you, your customers, whatever that may be, it's powerful through your example and yes. resourcefulness. A hundred percent. We always talk in the brotherhood about ripples, you know, what you do puts ripples in time and, and around your communities. And, and the other piece we always love is, is, is uh, blossom where you're planted. And that's where we look, you know, we're building fields of awesome, you know, all around, you know, when we blossom, so do people around us. And it's that exponential growth, kind of like the um, pay it forward idea, you know, but we don't realize that every action we take is we're paying it forward in some way. And I think that's one of the things, no matter who's like, my kids aren't around me right now, but my kids know where I'm at, you know, and it's that ripple. And what are you doing? Why is dad down in that basement, you know, in his office, you know, at eight 30 on a Sunday morning, talk, <laughs> talk, you know, and it's to, to spread those messages is to spread your meaning. Cause I think, you know, I, we, we teach the fire five, which is create awareness. Number one, Take extreme personal ownership, number two. Uh, number three is live with purpose. Number four is spread your meaning. And number five is clarify your circle. So we teach those five and spread your meaning. Uh, and it kind of goes in order. You got to do number one to do number two and so forth. And and when it gets down to spread your meaning, that's a very important piece of what you just said, is you have to know that why behind what you do. And when you know that why behind what you do, Think about the time that you're giving to things that aren't moving you towards that. We stop doing that, so we gain back more time. Think about the the energy levels that you get. We always talk about crossing the line. Uh, so, little little story from my dad. He was a high school baseball and football coach too. I never got it until probably like I never really really got it how important this was. And and you know as a, as a dad now I'm like oh man my dad was right a lot of these things you know <laughs> so <laughs> so we're like wow he was a really smart guy and uh so he he always lined us up on the on the third baseline uh at the beginning of the season when cuts were done and stuff like that and he said look to your right look to your left he goes those are your teammates those are your brothers you're playing with and playing for he goes now look down at your feet he goes see that line he goes, do not cross my line unless you're willing to give it every single thing that you got for yourself and for all of those brothers that you just looked at. And I was like, man, that was awesome. You know, it was like a great speech. You're like, yeah. But, you know, as a baseball guy, you'd always jump. You don't you don't touch the foul lines. You jump across them, right? <laughs> every time I did that, I would think about that. And as I grew up, every morning I would roll out of bed, my feet would hit the ground. And I think as men, we just go 5,000 million miles per hour. And then all of a sudden our day's done. And we're like, okay, what do we actually really do? But now that why is crossing the line. So we, we always talk about that line. When your feet hit the ground, that's your line. That's you saying to yourself and to the rest of the world, here's how I'm going to show up. But if you don't know what that line is, how can you cross it and give it every single thing that you got? Because when you're done at the end of your day, you actually got to cross that line again and lay back down on your bed, probably usually at the same spot. So when you look at it, can you lay your head down at the end of the day and be like, hey, this was my last day. Did I give it everything I have? And that why, what you just said there is, that's what we talk about crossing that line. And when you cross that line, you're willing and ready to give it every single thing that you got. So I love that. And it just kind of played right into that. So um, I appreciate that. I want to jump into that four, the four lessons, okay, that, that you got from failure. Number one, you said failure gives 
true meaning to success. Can you dive into that for us? Yeah. So, I mean, you think about it in order to grow, you have to be able to, you know, learn certain things that work and certain things that don't. Mm -hmm. They call that, they call those challenges. They call them obstacles. They can call them setbacks. Again, it's how people perceive them. I look at challenges as opportunities. So instead of calling them challenges, I look at them as opportunities. If everything were to go right and nothing could go wrong, would it be true that you would become complacent? Mm-hmm. Would it be true that things would become you would become bored? Yep. Yes. These are the things that would happen. You're never going to move forward. Everything is going right. It's we learn from the things that challenge us, the things that aren't working. And the things that aren't working get our get our minds to figure out, well, how do we solve them in order to then turn them into solutions to move forward? So it's changing our way of thinking yeah. to look at challenges, obstacles, setbacks, even things that are that are traumatic yeah. that happen to you as lessons to learn and grow to move forward. So it's all about grit, perseverance, resiliency, not mm-hmm. situational, but adopting that philosophy. 24 seven, not that you're constantly in, in, you know, in, in an intense mode or be operating from intensity, but being consistent rather than intense Yes, that you can pace it, that you're able to learn from those challenges as opportunities to grow. So I call it the stretch zone. So learning to stretch yourself, not to the point of strain or, or burnout, mm-hmm. but also not to the place of being complacent and bored, that you're constantly one, st- one, you know, one step ahead out of your comfort zone to keep consistently moving forward through those opportunities as challenges. So failures are only lessons that you learn to move you forward. That failure is not failure unless you completely withdraw or drop or you know, quit. Yeah what you're doing. hundred percent. Two things came up for me there. Adversity. I always say to our guys on the other side of adversity is an extreme advantage. And that's what we have to understand is that, like you said, you change it from uh, like you change your thought process from, Oh, this is a bad thing. I'm good. This is a struggle. This is bad too. Dude, this is an opportunity for me to like learn something awesome, you know? And I think that's when it comes up is changing. I, I had that switch too. And I think all great men do have that switch at some point in time. Um, but it's how long will it take you to get to that switch? Some never do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Want. It's a process. Yeah. And, and, you know, this isn't something that happens in correct a, a couple days, a couple weeks, a couple months. It may not even be a couple years. Sometimes it can be longer depending upon what you're striving to do, you know, but all of these can be even be tied to even the Bible, like, you know, where, mm-hmm. you know, people endured, you know, these great challenges for long periods of time only to, then, you know, reap the rewards or, yeah. or the fruits of their efforts. So it's how committed are you to, you know, this process? Yeah. You know, do you believe in yourself and do you believe, you know, also in your higher power, whatever that may be, yeah. trusting this process of operating from your intention rather than the expectation? And that's mm-hmm. another thing that I would cite with failure, Clay, is that when people are conditioned to operate from expectation, that means they're they're tied to the outcome, yes. emotion, and that puts them into the control they can't control. Their their minds are in the past and the future, and if you're operating in the past and future, you're operating now from your self limiting beliefs from your childhood now that are now taking place in your adult life in that yeah. moment. And when they get projected into the future, it tells your inner critic. That, you know, that whatever you're striving for, it's not going to happen. And if people only knew that I'm not as good as they think I am, the (laughs) imposter syndrome, all these things, because the mind believes, doesn't matter if if it hasn't happened or not, the mind believes that it's real, if that's how you're thinking. So learning to change our thinking with failure away from the past and the future to the expectation of the outcome and bring it into the moment, operating from intention and trusting that process Controlling what you can control only and letting go of the control you can't is what I feel in that process leads to learning from failures to move yourself forward. Absolutely. hundred percent. I, I totally agree with it. Love that you brought up expectation. Cause that's one of the things that especially guys we have, you know, our expectation of ourselves, like 
I'm an athlete. So when I go play a sport, my expectation is be like, dude, I'm awesome at this, you know, but you put me in water, like our buddies in college, we went to play water polo. I'm like, yeah, I can throw. I can't really swim, but I'm going to be awesome at this. Well, I get in the water and I can't really swim. I forget that I can't swim as well as I can. You know, I can swim, but I just get tired. Like I sink for whatever reason. I, I'm not a floater. I just, I just write to yeah, the Yeah, and then your arm is not yeah. as strong and powerful as Correct. it is when you're on the baseball diamond. Exactly. <laughs> I'm just trying to tread water without drowning. And these guys are swimming laps. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to sort of hold on to the – I'll stay right here on this edge, and you guys just throw it to me. I'll throw it over here. But my expectation – just like as when I became a new father, when I became, you know, a, a, a husband, my expectation of myself was way here. And if we look at it, this is where I think a lot of turmoil we bring onto ourselves because we put the expectation of ourselves in in not at a reality level, but at an above our reality level, out of reality. And I think that confusion between that that stress between our reality at which we can actually perform versus where we have our expectation at that causes this internal conflict of I'm not good enough and I don't have what it takes. And that's really kind of that fight. You're talking about limiting beliefs. You're talking about blind spots. You're talking about those things that we say to ourselves and the stories from our past that still affect us because that's our subconscious programming jumping out going, Hey, you're not good enough, Clay. Hey, you're not, you don't have what it takes, Clay. Hey, you know, you, you can, you can't really do this. Like, you, you know, are you really a good husband or a dad? You know, especially when we do things that make us feel like, man, did I fail at that? And those reoccurring limiting beliefs jump out us. And if we don't take care of those, like you're saying, and really kind of dive into that and switch that to where's my intention? How do I want to show up today? Why am I showing up this way? Like, Who's the man, husband, father, community member that I want to show up as? And that's why that line is so important is when we cross that, that is your intention for the day. Um, I'm just, I'm doing a challenge right now with, with guys, a six week challenge. And the first thing that I have them do is create an I am statement about the man that they want to be is that man on purpose and on fire. And within about three to four days, I, I ask them, Hey, how's that? I am statement showing up in your day. And they're like, man, I think about it all the time, <laughs> you know, like, I never thought about this before, but now when I have a conversation, I'm actually thinking about how do I want to show up before like I actually have this conversation. It's the weirdest thing ever. And I'm like, good. I'm like, that weird is good because that's you going, who do I want to be in this moment? Who do I want to be in this moment? And that's what you just said is bringing back to the present, not focused on the past of what happened and maybe what we're right, what we're not about in the future about, hey, what's this going to give me a result? But hey, what are we doing in the present right now? So I love it, man. And I'm I'm so glad you went on expectation there because that is a huge thing of why I believe failure is such a problem um, and that fear of failure. So I love that. The other thing that came up for me is you were talking about, uh, to me, I always talk about the zones of comfortability. You have the inner circle, which is your comfort zone. Then you extend out to that next level and that next circle is your um, uncomfortable zone. And then you branch out to the next one after that, your anxiety zone or the panic zone. And I think that's one of the things is many times our expectation, expectations of ourselves, how we're to perform, provide, protect as men. Am I good enough to have what it takes? We sometimes go right from the comfort to the panic zone. And it's like, ah, da, da, da. like what's in between there? So I love how you said it's the, um, the stretch zone. I love how you said that because that is so true. Don't go, don't, don't stretch it out. You know, if you're a center fielder, don't try to stretch it. Dude, hit the cutoff, man. And, yeah, exactly. and hammer it home, man. Don't like, you just let a guy score because you tried to be, your ego went too far. Yeah. Your expectation went too far. Hit the freaking cutoff, man. Trust your cutoff, man's going to get an awesome transfer. Boom, float right in and nail the guy at home plate. So, uh, so let's, let's, let's go into uh, only you keep track of your failures. Yeah, because here's the thing. A lot of times, you know, people always you just assume that people are looking at you and judging you and measuring you. Now, I'm not saying that if you're part of a team that, you know, somebody might be tracking certain mm -hmm. things, but people are caught up in their own lives, their own successes. They're not looking at you. It's all you just assume that. So no one's keeping score other than you. Yeah. So the thing is, is that, you know, instead of trying to validate yourself and trying to 
just be transparent, be, uh, be honest to yourself. It's okay if you fall off the wagon. Yep. It's just not okay if you decide to quit. Mm-hmm. It's getting back up. Every great person that has had success has failed or, you know, has not, you know, been got it right the first time, has had major setbacks. Ask any Olympian athlete that during their journey from where they started to winning a gold medal, a silver medal, or any professional athlete will tell you that. Michael Jordan will tell you yeah. that I I got I got cut from my high school basketball team. And then he not only went on to play at University of North Carolina, but then he played, he was became one of the best basketball players of all time. So it's, it's again, learning that only you are the one that's keeping score and keeping track. So instead of trying to beat yourself up, measure yourself. If you fall off the wagon, get back on and just keep moving yourself forward, trusting that process. What can I control each day? Let go of what you can't. Yeah, I, I totally love it because we we do we have this fear of judgment from others. But really what I have found out in my journey, in my experience is that everything I thought other people thought about me was actually what I thought about myself. And I was like, it's that mirror effect. And yes. I was mirroring how I felt about myself and everybody else. You know, just like, you know, I didn't tell people I, I dealt with anxiety for like as much as bad as I did for 15 years of my life. And then I told my wife and She's like, okay, you know, I like, I'm here for you. I don't know what to do, you know, how to help, but I'm here for you. And I'm like, well, you don't think I'm less than she's like, no, that's dumb. Why would I? And I'm like, cause I do. And she's like, well, that's you. And you should probably not think that. And I'm like, dang, you know, that was really the, the catalyst for awareness for me is to say, wow, like, what am I actually projecting on everybody else about that? I actually really feel about myself. And I think that's one of the things that we, we do is when we look at those two questions, it, Am I good enough? Do I have what it takes? You know, lots of times we we look for other people. And again, you said validation earlier, which I love too, is because it's you're looking for confirmation, not looking for it. You get confirmation from other people about what you already have validated about yourself. About yourself. Yeah. And it's the same thing when something's not going right in your life, you're not feeling good about yourself. You will deflect how you feel about yourself onto other people. This is where people that bully others, whether it's the schoolhouse bully or even somebody in your adult life that bullies you at work or you have a certain person in your life bullying you in some capacity. It's no different. It's just a deflection of how they feel about themselves onto others to make them give them this false sense that they are in a better place than they really are. 100% love it. Uh, Failure is the, sorry, I'll just mess it up. Failure is the signal that leads to change. Yeah, because without failure, without a with something not working, how do we change, right? So a lot of times people resist change. People have a tendency, a natural tendency, to resist change because number one, there it's the, it's the fear of the unknown. It's the fear yep. of doing something they've never done before. It's like during COVID when somebody was laid off from a job maybe they've had for quite some time. And now they're forced into entrepreneurship because they can't get a job. So they're forced into doing something that they never done before. So change is inevitable. And so failure is one of those things that teaches us how we can embrace that uncertainty and that fear to now trust the process, to learn how to do things differently, how to think differently, to be it, to become it, and then do things differently to achieve results that we never mm. thought we could do before because we were always fearful that we weren't able to do yeah. what we just did. Yeah. So failure is part is so necessary and plays an instrumental role in the process, whether if it's you choose it or it's out of default mm-hmm. that, that you had no choice because you were just put into that situation that failure is going to be a, a, a catalyst for you to make that change and go through the fear, embrace it and to come out on the other side in a positive way. Yeah. I love it. And and that kind of goes back to, to that first one you said is failure gives true meaning to success. You know, looking at that too, is change is like, that's the one thing like tax and, you know, death and taxes are certain change is also one of those. We all know it's going to change whether we have done that ourselves or whether the world around us changes change is going to occur. And, and I totally, I love that because failure is, 
is that opportunity again adverse on the other side of adversity is an extreme advantage and i think that's where that failure comes in last one here before we get on to uh the the top three reasons why uh failure benefit you is failure is only uh or permanent when you quit now you mentioned this a couple different times already now so any extra thoughts that you have with this that can really lay it in well, it's just like with anything, you know, if you just drop out of life, you mm-hmm. you decide to give up on your family and you walk out and you live on the street and you just let everything go. That would be an example of failure. So a lot of times people think they really are a failure because they quit a job or they stopped a business or and might be necessary. You know, maybe at that point you did because you stopped, but it means you didn't completely give up. Because yep. you still have a roof on your head. You still got food on the table. You're still doing something. It's just a matter now that you kind of got off track. And now you just got to get on track to trust that process. Yeah. When we can kind of look at failure again as a way to grow and not it's something that when something doesn't work out, it changes everything. Because we begin to see that, wow, you know, I got through this. Yeah. I'm here it wasn't exactly the way it turned out, but I'm here right now. What can, what can I do different now to look at these these little setbacks as opportunities and knowing that if I get through one and I get through another, then I'm going to have a breakthrough and then it's going to change everything. So when we can kind of look at failure as not that it's permanent, when it's only that if we completely drop off the grid, we just... Mm-hmm completely drop out of society that would be that would be the you know failure there but when we if we get knocked down and we're still doing something you are still in the game yeah you just got to get get back and learn how do we how do we think differently how do we change the way we think in the moment rather than the past and the future how do we operate from intention rather than expectation tied to outcomes how do we learn to control what we can? That's communication to yourself and others, your behavior, your attitude, your your emotions, responding versus reacting to situations and your action. And then letting go of those same five things and other people, including the other things beyond yeah. our control. When we can make those changes, we begin to see failure in a completely different yes. perspective. Oof. We see it as necessary. Yeah. We see it as part of the process. Any great successful person, regardless of what that means to you, will state in their journey, it's what I became and what I am as part of the process. Yeah. And without failure and those setbacks, I wouldn't be grateful and appreciate mm-hmm. where I am today. Man, you just I, like literally I was listening to you and I hope so many other listeners, I, I hope, I know so many other listeners right there telling that kind of journey that literally I was like, dude, are you talking about me, Chris? <laughs> <laughs> and I know so many other, because we've been through that and we've created that change in our lives. Um, and what it brought me back to is lots of times, uh, especially with, with men in divorce, I'm divorced twice. I'm married three times, but like that, like I felt like a complete failure and then it happening again, I felt even more a failure and I was like, what is up? But is is looking at those different things. I think a lot of men in that space of divorce, because um, I've been through there, you know, is like we do feel like a failure. Like, hey, I wasn't good enough. I didn't have what it takes. And but what I as my journey, those two hard things in my life has really created this amazing experience and opportunity to now have a marriage that is totally different from any other relationship I've ever had in my life. The amount of openness, the amount of vulnerability, the amount of, I don't have to be anybody else. I just get to be Clay Smeltzer in in, in my marriage. Um, and I think that's one of the, the greatest things that I've learned along the way is that, yeah, I felt like, a, especially after my first one, I felt like a really big failure as a dad, as a, I like, to me, it goes back to, I felt worthless as a man, as a husband, as a father. Um, and, and in that case, I was kind of blindsided. I felt like I was blindsided. I didn't know it was at that point. And it's like, man, I just, I just felt worthless. And the residual that happened until I took care of those different things is limiting beliefs that occurred because of that, that subconscious program that occurred because of that. Um, those different journey throughout there allowed me to take those failures and look at them different. It wasn't a failure. It was actually one of the greatest learning opportunities I ever had in my life. 
did it stink to go through? <laughs> Absolutely. A hundred percent. But so did all of those workouts that I did for baseball. So did all of the shoveling off snow. So did all of the sprints up the hill. So did all the bear crawls, all those different things. But in that adversity is an extreme advantage on the other side. And that adversity isn't a failure. And I love what you said. There isn't a failure unless you just stop. Because so many guys, and, and I, this is where I came to, is so many guys after divorce or after something bad happens or after a business fails, they just stop. I don't want to feel that pain anymore or anything like it. So I won't put myself in a, in a position to feel that. But what you do is you leave so many things off of the table because you're unwilling to do that. So I love what you said there. It's getting back up. It's doing it again. Get back on the horse. Go after it. Learn more. Do it again. Learn more. Because every single time, like Michael Jordan always says, like, I failed more than everybody else. I missed more shots. I missed more passes. But every single time I did that, I learned something from it. So a failure now has turned into a success. And I'm like, that's exactly what you just described. It's there. part of success. If you don't, if you don't view failure as part of success, you're not going to have more sustainable success. And that's usually a moniker. That's one of my name of my radio show, by the way, mm-hmm. is it, it that sustainability doesn't mean you always win. Yep. We it, when we so-called lose, it's not that you lose, you learn to grow. Yeah. And you take that. So like the Tom Brady's of the world, when they lose a game, they, they don't take that into the next game or, or if they don't, if they don't execute on a, on a, on, on, on a, on a, on a set of downs, he doesn't go back and say, well, we didn't execute before mm-hmm. they come back. He lets it go. What did I learn from that, that I could do better on the next set of downs? So that's the thing we have to be able to learn. Failure is a teacher. It allows us to see mm-hmm. where we're at and what can we do differently to get better and to keep moving forward. And without it, we just can't move forward. Yeah. Nope. Not at all. Awesome, man. I I love this conversation. We could probably still go on for hours, but (laughs) let's go to the top three ways that you can use failure to benefit yourself. So what would you give our listeners? Because we always want our listeners to have actionable tools that they can put in their toolkit so that they say, hey, yes, this man, I got this from Chris. This is awesome. I'm going to put that in my toolkit. So what are top three ways that you believe that our listeners could use could use uh, failure to benefit themselves. So I would say that you know use failure as a way to measure your progress. So you know build your foundation, have a daily routine that you do that you know it's going to build you up through discipline and consistency. Then you want to prepare. Don't wait to be perfect to know that you have to know everything. Just prepare with what you know and what's in your control. Then you execute what works, works. What didn't work, doesn't measure that and then be able to measure what has to be improved, what didn't work to move Mm -hmm. forward and keep working and getting better on the things that did. So that's what failure or setbacks teach us there. So that's number one. So number two is just to recognize that failure is part of the process. Just know that it's part of the process. Don't see it as don't compare yourself to other people because you don't know what they went through to be where they're at. Social media can project all (laughs) these wonderful things that everyone's on top of the world, but you don't know what it took for them to get there or let alone if that is really what's happening. It's not about other people. It's about you, your journey. So look at failure as that you own your life. You own your success. You own the opportunities that you create and that you create your own luck. Only look at others or situations as a way to benchmark, but not to compare yourself Mm. that you're a failure. See failure as part of the process. Love that. Number three, here's a, a, a statement that I like to leave the listeners, Clay, with everything. When you can operate from a place of giving without expectation. Yes. Now, that doesn't mean that you make yourself available where everyone can take advantage of your time and situation and you go into please and enable mode. Yep. Give without expectation to be valuable, not available. Do it from empathy and kindness to empower people through your example and resourcefulness. So you give without expectation. And when it comes back, you receive mm-hmm. without resistance. So give without expectation, receive without resistance. So when something comes back to you and it serves you, whether if it's a thank you, 
whether if it's somebody that appreciates you, whether if you found a, a nickel or a, a penny on the on the ground, pick it up. Be grateful mm. for that. All of these things are the things that are going to move you forward and then be able to look at failure or setbacks as something good happening to you. It's happening for you, not to you. Oh, Big difference. It. Those would be the three things I'd like to leave mm. uh, the listeners uh, today about failure as part oh, of the success circle. Was- I hope you all had your pen and paper there because you, if not, you need to get it and write it, rewind this or get that again. So uh, I certainly did. I got a ton of notes here. This is awesome, man. Chris, thank you so much. Uh, we're going to run through our last thing, the quick, uh, the quick hit Q and a five seconds to answer 10 questions. You ready? I'm all ready. All right. Number one, what's your favorite animal? My favorite animal will be a tiger. Oh, nice. I love it. Number two, work or play? I'm going to have to say work. I, I, I probably end up both too. See, to me, when I work, you know, I work I'm hard. Playing, I'm playing play. when I'm working anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Number three, what is your favorite word? Consistency. Oh, love it. Uh, number four, uh, top book rec- recommendation for our listeners. I would say this. I would say Think and Grow Rich would be a great one. It's a classic. Yep. I have many more, but I would say that book. And what's your book? My book, my, my personal choice. Yes. I would say that, you know, think and grow rich. I, the power of focus from Jack Canfield, a book that was one of Jack's least read books. And, uh, but a great book inspired yeah. me in a lot of things I wrote with master your inner critic result who caused great prosperity. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, next one, number four, five who is your hero my hero i'm gonna say is life in general nice I love it. but i'm also gonna say my father even though my father was not there for me growing up he ended up giving me the greatest gift when he was passing at the age of 56 when i was there at his deathbed and we had a surreal moment where mm-hmm. I, I, I made a pivot in my life as a result of it. I wouldn't, if it wasn't for that moment, I might not be here sharing this with you. Mm. Play. I might've been, I might've been dead uh, at this point from my own struggles at that point. Yeah. And, and I was still struggling with 12 years at that point. I was in still in the thrones of my addiction yeah. that I had to uh, pornography, uh, drugs and alcohol. Nice. Awesome, man. Whew. That's deep. Oh, we could go inside of, we should come back on to do that at a later time. Um, what is your deepest fear? Deepest fear, I would say, and I, I've learned how to really cut fear out, of, you know, where I, where it's at a very low yeah. level. So I don't have a lot of fear, not even fear of death, but I would say the greatest fear is not the, the ability to, to do the things that I'm capable that I'm doing right now. So that could be yes. moving around and being here where I could sit and talk to you. Yeah. Just not having that ability. Awesome. Uh, number seven, if you could go back in time to change any part of your life, would you? No. Nice. I embrace, I embrace the first 30 years of my life that were, that were struggle, that, were, that I, was, I had misfortunes, that things that happened to me, that hurt, you know, some of the traumatic things I went through, I see them as blessings. I wouldn't, I wouldn't desire it any yep. other way because I wouldn't be the man I am today yep. without I totally agree. hundred percent agree. Number eight, what do you wish you learned sooner? I wish uh, that I wish sooner was to really not sweat the small stuff. Yeah. That, that a lot of times worry, stress, anxiety is just a byproduct of fear of what, how we think in the yeah. past and the future from our limiting beliefs and how it impacts everything about us, our confidence, our self-esteem, our, how we communicate to ourselves and others behavior. If I had known that earlier, I would have, mm-hmm. you know, I could have uh, been doing this a lot sooner. <laughs> I totally agree. I'm, I'm sitting there going, oh, man, that is, that is amazing. I, uh, number nine, do you prefer the soft cloud version or the sword version of the truth? I like the sword version. I like the straightforward, the facts. And I always find that's what resonates with me. I might have said differently back 24 years ago because mm-hmm. I didn't I didn't desire to face the truth yep. about reality and about me because I didn't know that. But today it's it's the sword, the truth, the hard facts, straightforward. Yep, uh, love it, love it. And number ten, last one. What is your biggest strength? 
my biggest strength is the ability to be understanding nice. and to be vulnerable. Yeah. That when I can be vulnerable, transparent, and understanding, you, you make yourself relatable and compelling to others to now open up, to give themselves that opportunity to trust the process, to heal to whatever mm-hmm. they have to do to go through their process. Awesome. Love it. Love it. Well, Chris, where can our listeners find you and connect with you? Best place to reach me would be on my website at Christopher Salem. Dot com. I also am the CEO and co-founder of a nonprofit called Empowered Fathers in Action at efamovement.org. You can check us out there. Also, I'm on LinkedIn. I uh, love to connect with people on LinkedIn. Feel free to do that. And if you'd like to send me an email, Chris, C-H-R-I-S, at my full name, ChristopherSalem.com. Awesome, man. Thank you, Chris, for being here today, guys. I know, I know for a fact you got a ton out of this episode, so we always ask you to download it, to rate, review us, and then also, last thing, is to share it with just one other person. Do that pay forward and do that. Uh, We also have the six-week Get Your Fire Back Challenge going on right now as well, so if you want information to get you gain more time, gain more uh, energy, and build stronger relationships with your family and the ones that you love reach out, let us know that. Chris, thank you so much for being here today with us. And uh, we love this, especially talking about this topic of failure, which goes out and again, inhibits so many people. Let's change that thought process, like Chris says. Switch that over. Failure allows us to learn and allows us to create the success we really want in our lives. Be men on purpose and on fire. Chris, thank you very much. Thank you, Clay, for having me. You're welcome. Have a night. Have a great, great week, guys. 